What's up, Boom Team? Welcome back to the podcast, episode three, season two. Uh, we're recapping the NFL week two, and we're also going to be giving out our power rankings today and our predictions for week three coming up. Uh, I'm sorry that I missed the episode on Tuesday yesterday. I was very busy. I had appointments going on. I had a friend moving um, that I was helping out, and I just couldn't get around to doing the uh, the podcast yesterday, which was disappointing for me personally, but I'm here now. And we're just going to hop right into it this week. I uh, did a lot better than I did last week picking these games. My uh, overall record for the season now is 15-17, uh, and 17, which is still a below 500 like record but um it's much better than it was because i was like four and 12 last week so you know that's that's better <laughs> um we're making our way up there uh last week i had uh dallas beating the chargers which did happen i had the eagles beating the niners which didn't happen which was actually i thought a fun game because it was very uh very stalemated game i had the steelers beating the raiders which uh did not happen but it was a very exciting game as well um the raiders are red hot right now um i had the pats being the uh the dolphins which uh did happen or sorry not the dolphins the jets um i'm getting my games mixed up <laughs> i had the pats beating the jets which did happen uh, i had the broncos beating the jags the bills beating the dolphins um which i got those two right i had the rams beating the colts which was right um, I had the Bengals beating the Bears, uh, which didn't happen, but Joe Burrow just decided to, you know, throw the game away. Um, I had the Browns uh, beating the Texans, which did happen. The Saints winning, uh, not got that one wrong. Had the Cardinals, the Bucks, the Titans, the Chiefs, the Packers, and Washington. And the only one that I had wrong into that was uh, the Chiefs, which was a fantastic game played by Lamar Jackson. And we'll get right into that towards the end of the podcast, or probably the middle of the podcast, actually. Um, but we're going to start with Washington um, over the Giants on Thursday. I thought this was a really fun game. Uh, the Washington football team, their defense did not play to the level that uh, we all know they can and that I thought that they were going to especially. But Daniel Jones also played the, the game of his life. <laughs> um, Taylor Heineke, though, we'll start with him. He, uh, he had a pretty solid first performance um, as a starter. He threw uh, 46 passes for 336 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Um, the Overall, I thought Heineke played well, but he could definitely play better. Um, he overthrew his receivers multiple times. Um, he, a lot of times, I know when you're throwing the ball, sometimes you want to strategically place it to a place where your quarterback, or not your quarterback, your wide receiver has to reach for it and has to jump up for it, uh, um, which is fine. But sometimes it, he was doing that when, I, if it was on purpose, it was unnecessary. Um, I don't think it was on purpose, and I think he was just overthrowing his wide receivers. But I'm sure he'll, you know, right that ship and it'll be just fine moving forward. Um, he did play his, uh, he played his heart out. He showed tremendous heart during this game and he really gave it everything, um, which is why I think, you know, the night really belonged to him once the game was over. Um, he really played a great game and he led his team to victory. Uh, scary Terry, Terry McLaurin was uh, targeted 14 times in this game for 107 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Terry McLaurin just continues to prove that he's one of the game's top performers um, and a true number one wide receiver. Um, and this game was uh, also his 10th quarterback change, and it's even more impressive how productive he is um, with how many different quarterbacks he's had to play with and how many you know different systems and play styles that he's had to adapt to. So it's it's really it's really mesmerizing and quite a quite a feat for him to say that he can do that. 
Um, also, this probably my catch of the week, I think, um, other than the insane uh, interception that happened in college football this week. It was like a one-handed, backwards-jumping interception. But anyway, my catch of the week probably goes to Ricky's uh, Ricky Seals-Jones. He had an insane, uh, like, it was, all, it was like very reminiscent of like Santonio Holmes' uh, touchdown catch in the Super Bowl, I think in, in 2009, I believe it was. Um, he caught it in the back corner of the end zone, but he just like, it looked like he had no room to toe tap. Like it was great placement by, uh, uh, Terry or Taylor Heineke, but he, uh, also like toe tapped and was falling out of bounds. It was a fantastic catch. Um, and the second I saw it, I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those catches. You're just like, that was fantastic. Um, so that was probably my catch of the night. The giant or the Football team's wide receivers um, did a great job this game, especially um, allowing Taylor Heineke uh, to have, like, a lot of open receivers and a lot of uh, good places to throw to. They didn't they, they were willing to get open. They were able to get open um, for him to place the ball. Um, like I said, he overthrew them a couple times, but they, other than that, they connected really well with Taylor, Taylor Heineke, and I was happy to see how they played. Um my overall take on this, though, for the uh, football team is that they did sneak away with this one. As much as I say that the night belonged to Taylor Heineke, he led the football team right down the field and put them in a kicking radius to win the game. And it looked like that, you know, Dustin Hopkins had missed the kick um, and it wasn't going to it wasn't going to happen. You know, the Giants were going to walk away with the win. But then upon the review, um, a Giants uh a defensive lineman had jumped off sides and gave the football team another chance to kick. And usually in the NFL, you don't want another chance because they're probably going to make it the second time. Um, unless you're like icing the kicker and you're calling timeouts, that's a different story. But um, the Giants, uh, I think his name was Lawrence. I can't remember his first name, but he jumped off sides, gave the, the football team another chance to kick the field goal and they ended up going through the second time and they ended up winning the game um which was super heartbreaking um for the Giants but that's just one of those that's those mistakes that um they need to clear up um if they want to win games and I think they'll they'll have a lot of mistakes like that this season but they definitely played better this week uh, Daniel Jones played a phenomenal game uh, against a really good defense I don't think the Washington defense falls that far after this game I think Daniel Jones just took the Giants and put them on his back. Um, he threw 32 passes, completing 22 of them. Uh, he passed for 249 yards, uh, one passing touchdown, and he also ran a lot. Uh, he was His wheels were going this game. He had nine carries for 95 yards and a touchdown. Um, like I said, it was just one of his best games of his career, and it, it quite honestly confuses me now um, because even though the Washington defense didn't play as well as they could have, Daniel Jones still played really well. He was putting the ball where it needed to go. He was running it when he needed to. He had a touchdown run um, at one point that got called back on a holding call. And then he also placed the ball directly in Darius Slayton's hand um, that Darius Slayton just dropped. He just didn't get it. It was a little bit out of his reach, but I think, you know, being a professional, he should be able to make that catch because he was there. Um, and he was in like reaching range. He touched the ball, so he should be able to catch that. Um, because he had the defender beat too, and Daniel Jones placed it right where it needed to be, and he just dropped it. So that's two touchdowns. Um, that they that they lost that they could have used to actually win this damn game, but they they just couldn't do it. Um, and I really did feel bad for Daniel Jones because it was a really good game. I still am not a big believer in him. I think he's, you know, just a bad part of the Giants team. I think he could do better elsewhere. But like I said, this game confuses me because as well as he played, I need to see this more. 
Um, I don't think, you know, you get one stellar performance and you just turn your whole career around. If he does, that's fantastic for him, but I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, But we'll see going forward. But Daniel Jones played a hell of a game. I hope it keeps going this way. I don't think it will, but... Um, I hope it does, and yeah, Giants, That's it's a heartbreaker for them, and the football team got a well, well-needed win. Uh, now we're going to move on to our Sunday games. We're going to start with the Patriots and the Jets. I got this game right, um, but Bill Belichick uh, absolutely ruined Zach Wilson in this game, and I say Bill Belichick because the whole Patriots team um, just was all over him. The Patriots defense was all over Zach Wilson. Wilson threw four interceptions. There was one point in the game where he had like four completions and I think four interceptions or four passes, four interceptions. It was something ridiculous. Um, and Zach Wilson is just re- in for a really long year. Um, he's tough and he kept firing back against the Patriots. You know, even though he was turning the ball over, he just kept going right back out on the field and just, you know, coming back every single time, which was something admirable, I thought. But the, the Jets have have some issues that they got to fix, especially with Zach Wilson. Um, he was playing against a team that is very well coached. Um, that's not an excuse. Um, he needs to take better care of the ball, and I think he will. He's still young, and this is, you know, this is the, it's the NFL. It's way different from college, um, you know, So, and I was listening to uh, the Around the NFL podcast this week, uh, the one that I, I talk about that one a lot because it's one of my favorites. But uh, they say, uh, what was it, that you know there are things in college football that you can get away with that you won't be able to get away with in the NFL. And I think that's, uh, that was kind of exposing Zach Wilson a little bit this week um, in parts of just making certain throws or trying to fit the ball in certain places that you know NFL defensive backs won't allow that because you know, that's just not how the game's played. And I think he'll adapt. He seems like a player who will be able to adapt in time, and he'll get better. Um, I do see this as a low for him, um, and I don't think you know he'll get any farther down. I don't think he'll have constant, you know, two, three, four interception games, and I think he'll be just fine moving forward. Um, but yeah, this this was not a good one for him. Uh, Mac Jones, on the other hand, though, he uh, he took great care of the ball. Um, he threw thirty touch or he threw uh, thirty passes. He completed twenty two of them. Um, he had about 180 passing yards, which isn't, you know, an insane day, but he didn't have any turnovers, um, which was fine. And uh, the scoring came from the committee of running backs. Uh, mainly, there were two touchdowns shared between uh, Damian Harris and James White. Damian Harris was, you know, just, he was the running back that the Patriots had been looking for this game. He's been their true number one running back um, the whole season, but he finally emerged as, like, that guy for them, um, which I was really happy to see because I, I do like Damian Harris a lot. Um, and I think the Patriots offense is going to only get better from here, and the defense is still pretty solid. They're able to expose young quarterbacks like Zach Wilson, and I think they'll be fine um, when it comes to uh, going up against more experienced quarterbacks as well. Um, if the offense can start putting more and more numbers up, then I think the Patriots could be a team to be reckoned with. I don't know about this season. They might not make the playoffs. I don't think they will with Buffalo being in the division and the AFC being being pretty strong, um, but I could definitely see it for next year, but you never know. Um, next, we have the Broncos and the Jaguars. Uh, the Broncos are just emerging as one of the more well-rounded teams in the AFC and in the NFL, honestly. Um, Teddy Bridgewater threw 328 yards and two touchdowns. Um, and the Broncos' defense looked phenomenal. They had Trevor Lawrence throwing two more interceptions this week. That's uh, I think that's five on the year for the number one overall pick. Um, and they were just all over Trevor Lawrence as well. The uh, Broncos' defense is, in my eyes, slowly emerging, just like the whole team as one of the best teams uh, or the, one of the best defenses in the NFL. 
They have very good pass rush with Von Miller up there. They have a solid pass defense with Kyle Fuller, Patrick Sertan. You know, you could just keep going. They have very good players on the defense. And I'm I'm very excited to see what they do this year because they're not like that. The Broncos these past couple of years have been a very middle of the road, kind of lesser or below average team. And they're starting to get better. And I want to see them um, make the playoffs this year, just like uh, the Panthers. They're another team that I want to see make the playoffs this year. Both of those teams happen to be 2-0. and So I'm really excited for those two. Um, we'll get to the Panthers in a minute, but... Trevor Lawrence had a questionably better week this week. I uh, wasn't really sure what to make of it because um, they did start out fast, the Jaguars. They scored right away. He had a touchdown pass to Marvin Jones, and that's all well and good, but he also had two more interceptions this week. So, um, like I said, he's playing against a very good defense, but I'm not really sure who the Jaguars are. I'm not sure if they're going to be a team that's going to win close games or if they're going to be in close games. I'm not sure if they're just going to be, you know, the Jaguars of old that are just getting blown out every week um, with really no identity. I'm not really sure what this team is right now. Um, They're not defensively strong. They're not offensively very strong. Um, And I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm very worried about the Jaguars now. I know it's only week two. I don't want to make too big of assumptions, but these are uh, these are some big questions that need to be answered. And especially when you start having people ask, who are you? Like, what is this team? You know, are you guys a offensively driven team, defensively driven team? Um, are you well coached? Uh, you can't really answer those questions. That's when that's when you start to worry. Um, and that's my, my take on the Jags. I really don't know what they are right now. And uh, that's that's a big concern to me. Uh, moving in back into the AFC East, uh, we have the Bills versus the Dolphins. Uh, the Bills just were dominant against the Dolphins in this game. Uh, unfor- unfortunately for the Dolphins, they did lose Tua Tagovailoa, their starting quarterback this year. Or not uh, this year, this week, uh, early in the game. Uh, in the first quarter, he got taken out with a rib injury. He had fractured ribs, and he's going to miss uh, their game this week as well. Um, so that's that's not good for them at all. You never want to lose your starting quarterback. Um, Jacoby Brissett played fine. Um, he had I think it was 180 yards, if I'm correct. Uh, he just he was fine. It was subpar. Um, the Bron- or the Buffalo defense really punished the uh, Dolphins offense. They had six sack or they sacked Jacoby Brissett six times, and they um, had two fumbles and an interception as well. They were just all over them. Uh, I really felt bad for Jacoby Brissett being thrown into to that situation, and then you know just getting absolutely hammered all game. Um, it was it was kind of hard to watch, honestly. But the Bills, you know, even though they lost to the Steelers, another AFC, I wouldn't say superpower, but one of the better teams in the AFC. Um, I would definitely label the Bills as in the upper echelon. Um, or the Steelers in the upper echelon and the Bills, you know, had a, like, a, this was like a confidence building game for the Bills. They came right back in and they showed, yeah, we lost, but we're still one of the better teams in the NFL and we're definitely the best in the East or the AFC East. So, you know, and they were just like, you know, don't, don't nobody forget about it. You know, the, uh, the thing that I would like to see most from the, uh, Bills in the coming weeks is to take care of the ball a little bit better. Um, Miami's defense is no pushover, but, uh, Josh Allen did have an, an interception thrown and Zach Moss did have a fumble. Um, and I would just like to see the ball being taken care of a little bit better. Um, but other than that, the Bills offense was efficient. You know, they marched right down the field and just scored time and time again. Um, and you can't really ask for much more. Uh, next up, we have the Eagles versus the 49ers, which was one of my more favorite games. It was just a defensive battle. These teams were deadlocked for a while. Um, and it really showed that, you know, as well as these, as these two offenses operated in week one, they can be stopped. Um, 
and they both struggled to produce the same numbers as uh, they did in week one. Uh, what was it? Jalen Hurts only had like 190 yards passing. Um, but I did see that Jimmy G, I thought, showed his experience over Jalen Hurts um, with the help of the Niners, you know, tough defense. Um, the Niners forced the Eagles to punt three times um, between the third and fourth quarter um, so that the 49ers uh, offense could go down and score uh, late in the fourth to really take the lead and make it 17-3, to um, which I thought was just a real testament to how well um, the Niners defense operates, but also um, the Niners offense, when given the opportunity, can go down and score. Um, especially because, like I said, just like the Niners defense, the Eagles defense is no pushover at all. Um, so it, you know, they're not going to go down and score every single time the 49ers, but when they get a chance, they'll do it. Um, it's just it might take a couple of tries because you know you're playing against one of the better defenses in the in the league. Um, but I thought the Eagles did put up a good fight. It was just a defensive lock, and I thought it came down to experience, and I think Jimmy Garoppolo just had Jalen Hurts in that uh, category. It kind of became experience over athleticism and playmaking in this one. Um, the Eagles also lost uh, Brandon Graham and Brandon Brooks in this game, um, which is going to hurt on both sides of the ball. So the Eagles not only walked out with a with a loss that's going to hurt, but it, they also walked out with some injuries that are also going to follow them for a little bit. But moving forward, I'm sure they'll be okay. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed this game a lot. It was a good defensive battle, and the Niners just ended up pulling it out in the end. Uh, next up, we have the Rams versus the Colts. I thought this was actually a really fun one. Um, it was confusing as all hell because um, I expected the Rams to really handle the Colts in this game, um, and they they did for the most part until they started to crumble a little bit, and that's when the Colts um, were able to pounce and kind of fight fight back in the game because um, the Rams do everything well, um, but they just they showed an ability to crumble. Um, which I, I didn't like because that means that, you know, if they're going to be in the big games against better teams um, than the Colts, you know, if they do this crumbling again, there might not be, you know, a Carson Wentz on the field. There might be a Tom Brady on the field, somebody who's not going to, you know, give you the ball back or somebody who's not going to, you know, have that interception or, you know, get hurt in the game and, you know, allow you to make those mistakes and not pay for it. Um, so, yeah, that's something that I worry about for the Rams. Um, but other than that, they do everything very well. Uh, Matthew Stafford threw 30 times. He completed 19 of his passes. Um, he passed for 278 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Um, he had a, a good game, and he threw a fine game and just did his job. That's all you can really ask of him. He's not making the super flashy throws he uh, made last week. He had a bunch to Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup went absolutely nuts this game. Um, I think it was like 160 yards and like two touchdowns. He went He went crazy, Cooper Cup did. Um, and the Rams owned the first half of this game until the third quarter when the Colts marched right down the field um, to start the, the second half to score and then get a two-point conversion, um, which pulled them right back in, honestly. And then uh, the Rams were forced to punt after that, and then Johnny Hecker fumbled on uh, like the, or on the, the Rams' like 10-yard line. They were really close to the end zone. Uh, and then the Colts recovered and scored in the same play. They scrapped, it was a, a scoop and score, basically even though there wasn't a whole lot of running. It was more just the ball rolling and people falling over. But, um, yeah, it was it was bang-bang like that. The the Rams uh, weren't able to score, which is fine. You know, you're not going to be able to score every single time. And then, you know, you screw up once on special teams, and just like that, the Colts are right back in it. And that's something that the Rams can't do moving forward. Um, and even though the Colts were making their way back into the game, it just seemed like they were just out of range. Like, as well as things were going for them, it was like, okay, you know, even though the Colts are doing well, they're not going to win. I, just, I don't know. I just never really had a shadow of a doubt that the Rams were going to win this game. Um, 
and it just seemed like the Colts were out of range. I don't really know how to describe that. Um, regardless of the score, I just didn't really see the Colts pulling this one out at all, um, and I didn't have any doubt in my mind that the Rams were winning. Carson Wentz did leave the game uh, late with an ankle injury, which is really devastating for the Colts. Um, Jacob Eason came in, and he threw an interception. I think it was on his second pass at Jalen Ramsey, which basically ended the game. Um, and it's devastating that uh, for the Colts that Carson Wentz is hurt, because even though Carson Wentz is very injury-prone and also accident-prone um, when it comes to decision-making in the NFL, um, he was very active in this game on the ground and in the air. He uh, threw 31 passes, completed 20 of them. He passed for 247 yards and one touchdown. And he also ran five times for 37 yards. And he was all he was all over the place. Um, but, you know, him being hurt, they don't really know how long he's going to be out. I think he was just rushed back from his uh, ankle injury in the preseason. I think he was just so eager to prove himself um, to, you know, the Colts fans and to the NFL and to the people of the NFL. And I think he rushed himself back and now his other ankle is hurt. So he's going to be out for a while. Uh, moving on, we have the Steelers versus the Raiders. This was a freaking awesome game. Derek, Derek Carr is a rock star right now. He threw 37 times for 382 yards and two passing touchdowns. And I believe Derek Carr is uh, actually the p- la- passing leader um, when it comes to yards in the NFL this season. Um, and he just—he was all over the place. He did a great job this game. He almost got hurt, um, which was <laughs> almost really, really bad for the Raiders. Um, but he went right onto the sideline. Uh, he walked himself off the field, and then he, you know, like did like a quick sprint, like a wind sprint almost, uh, just to test out his his foot. And he was good to go, and he went right out there and then threw a late-game touchdown um, pass to Henry Ruggs. I think it was like 61 yards. It was a ridiculous throw. Um, Henry Ruggs just showed off his speed and just absolutely dusted uh, the Steelers' uh, defensive backs. And the Raiders' defense looked okay in this game. They're looking better. Um, the pass rush was, pass rush was fine. Um, even though Big Ben threw for almost 300 yards, he also threw 40 times. Um but the pass rush was fine. Um, the pass defense could be better, um, but they're 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 getting better. The Raiders' defense is getting better. It's starting to complement the offense a little more, and the Raiders are starting to look more like a uh, one of the better teams in the NFL. And it's making that whole uh, division with the Chiefs, the Chargers, uh, all that much better to to watch. And you want to watch more and more. Um, and like I said, Ben Roethlisberger uh, threw forty times for two hundred ninety five yards, a touchdown, and interception. Um, and the Steelers defense is still possibly one of the best in the NFL, even though the Raiders, um, were able to score and win this game. Uh, they were missing TJ Watt. Uh, they were missing Devin Bush. You know, those are two huge losses in the rushing attack. Um, that even with, even without them, um, the Steelers were still, you know, a, a big presence and they're still one of the best, um, defensive teams in the NFL. So I think the Steelers are in fine hands. They're hoping to get TJ Watt back. Um, and Devin Bush back because, you know, those injuries are going to stack up. And in a division where you got the Browns, the Ravens, who are both, you know, AFC powerhouses right now, and the Bengals, who, you know, are sneakily pretty good, um, you can't really afford any mistakes in that kind of division. Uh, next up, speaking of the Bengals, we have the Bengals versus the Bears. Um, I got this one wrong. I didn't expect the Bears to lose this game or to win this game, uh, but I also didn't expect Joe Burrow to throw three interceptions. Um, he just absolutely imploded. It was like three interceptions on three passes, and uh, one of them was a pick six, and it just it was awful. Um, Justin Fields finally took the 
took the field. <laughs> That's a, I gotta, I gotta think of a different way to say that. <laughs> uh, he took the gridiron. How about that? Um, Andy Dalton went out with an injury, which, you know, obviously they were like, all right, well time, time for Justin Fields. Matt Nagy was finally like, okay, fine. I'll put Justin Fields in. Um, and even though he didn't have a stellar performance, it was, it was the Bears defense in this, in this game. They looked a lot like the 2018 defense. Um, they just looked really good. Their pass rush was phenomenal. Their pass defense was great. And they were just all over the place giving the Bears back the game, even though the Bengals almost came back with it. I was texting my brother during this game, and he said, like, oh, the because I was watching, I think it was the Raider game, and he was like, the Joe Burrow's about to lead the Bengals back to a comeback. I was like, I swear to God, if the Bengals come back in this game after Joe Burrow throws three interceptions, Matt Nagy needs to be fired right there. <laughs> um, luckily, he still got his job. Um, but, yeah, it was a very back-and-forth game. Um, but the Bears fans, even though Andy Dalton's hurt, you never want to wish injury on that on anybody, especially somebody like him, um, somebody who's just trying to, you know, play a game and just do the best he can. Um, you never want to wish an injury on him. But uh, that means Justin Fields going to take the field now um, against the Browns this week. And it's going to be an interesting matchup. And hopefully we'll see some of that, you know, electricity that we saw in the preseason and in college. Uh, next up is the Browns over the Texans. Uh, the Browns almost had a fucking scare this game. Uh, Baker Baker Mayfield, they had two scares, actually. At first, the Texans were all over the Browns. They were leading the game. Um, and then Tyrod Taylor got hurt. He had a hamstring strain on a uh, touchdown run, and uh, he was out for the rest of the game. Um, and then Baker Mayfield basically dislocated his shoulder. And then they had it pop back in. He like went into the locker room for like five seconds, and then came back out, and then uh, were able to was able to lead the Browns to the to the win. Um, Baker Mayfield threw twenty one passes, and completed nineteen of them. That's not very many passes, but it's almost a near perfect completion percentage. Um, he threw two hundred thirteen yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Um, the Texans are performing a lot better than I thought they would this season. So it's going to be very interesting moving forward um, with the loss of Tyrod Taylor and then Deshaun Watson, you know, in his whole dilemma, which I don't even want to get into. Um, it, it's going to be a very up and down year for them, but they're performing very well. Their uh, their roster is very, um, very filled out. They have a decent looking roster. Um, they're just getting very unlucky in these games, um, except for, you know, playing the Jags in week one. Um, and they almost snuck this one away from the Browns, but unfortunately Tyrod got hurt, um, and that's going to really, really bother them going forward. But, you know, they're just going to have to keep plugging away. Um, and Jarvis Landry left this game with a knee injury as well, um, which even though, you know, that adds on to the Odell Beckham Jr. injury, which Odell uh, OBJ should be back soon. Um, but, you know, those are your two star receivers who are going to be out for a while. So the Browns are a little bit more hindered this game, um, especially with Baker. You know, he had his shoulder issue, but I haven't heard anything else about it. He seems to be fine. Um, you know, you never want to see that happen to anybody. Um, and hopefully the Browns will get all their players back. Hopefully Tyrod's not out for too, too long because um, I really like both of these teams moving forward. Uh, next up, we have the Saints versus the Panthers. Uh, the Panthers defense uh, has emerged this week as the number one uh, defense in most categories in the NFL. I can't really decide who I like more. Um, I think I like their defense a lot. I also like the Bucks defense. I like the Steelers defense, uh, the Bills. You know, they're they're all great. Um, but I have the Saints defense, or I have the uh, Panthers defense as the number one because they're leading in like I think it's pass yards allowed, touchdowns allowed. They're they have like seven categories where they're all number one. Um, and that's good. Like you say, you don't want to be number 32 because that means you allow the most points. <laughs> um, 
but Sam Darnold's looking fantastic in a new in a new system, throwing uh, 38 times uh, for 305 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Um, he he looks fine. Uh, he looks more comfortable. He's tossing the ball downfield more. He seems to really connect with Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, um, and it, they look great on offense. Uh, Christian McCaffrey again just proves to be one of the best uh, athletes in the NFL, um, and quite possibly the best running back in the NFL. Um, he gained over he gained almost 140 yards. I think it was like 139 uh, total yards and a touchdown. You know he's just so versatile and he's a dual threat, and I just love watching him. He's so entertaining. Um, on the Saints side of the ball, though, it was it was the worst offensive day <laughs> in a while. You, it was like if you had taken how the Packers played last week, made it a little better, and then had them play against uh, the Panthers. It was just not good. Alvin Kamara gained 30 total yards this game, and 25 of them were receiving. That means their running back, their starting running back, had five total rushing yards in this game. Um, and that's a, either a testament to the Panthers' defense or it was just an awful day for the Saints' offense. I couldn't really tell um, because Jameis Winston also did not play great. He only had about 111 um, passing yards, and he threw two interceptions. Um, and he had a questionable fumble um, that was ruled a like a pass attempt. It was some bullshit. Um, it was one of those things where referees were like, you know, nah, he was throwing it. <laughs> it wasn't tuck rule, but it was it was very very close. Um, the Saints just did not play well, and the Panthers um, have solidified themselves as one of the better teams so far. I think um, they have a solid defense, an offense that's only getting better. Um, and they're very well coached. I really like their position they're in right now, and I'm really going to be paying attention to them more going forward. Uh, next up, we have probably the most exciting game of the of the week: um, the Cardinals versus the Vikings. This game was, you know, moving from the start. The Vikings started really fast on the second play of the game um, with a touchdown pass to KJ Osborne from Kirk Cousins. Uh, speaking of Kirk Cousins, he played a really good game. I've said in time and time again on this podcast, I don't like Kirk Cousins a lot. I don't think he's a great quarterback, um, but he played a great game this game. He uh, threw three passing touchdowns. He had, I believe it was like 300 yards passing, uh, something ridiculous like that. Let me just pull that up. Um, but while that's happening, uh, Dalvin Cook also had a fantastic game. He you know, is so versatile. Him and Christian McCaffrey are really in the upper echelon of players, um, and they just keep proving time and time again uh, how good they are. Dalvin Cook had 22 carries for 130 yards, and he was just absolutely ridiculous. Um, Kirk Cousins too, threw for a 244 yards in this game. Um, he had three touchdowns to KJ Osborne, Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen. He was sharing the love. Um, and the the Vikings offense is really, really versatile. Um, they have a lot of options, and that that's what makes them very good. It's just once again, like I say all the time, I don't really trust Kirk Cousins. He's usually the bane of their existence, other than the kicker um, situation, which we'll get to. Um, but other than that, the Vikings played a great game. The offense did really nothing wrong. Um, the only thing that I could say the Vikings did is the defense gave up, you know, too many points, obviously. Um, but, you know, when you're playing a team that's got Kyler Murray, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Chase Edmonds, you know, you could just go on and on and on about the Cardinals offense. Um, it's very difficult to give up points or to not give up points. Um, speaking of Kyler Murray, this man is a wizard. Um, he had a ridiculous play to, uh, I think it's Rondell Moore or Ronald Moore. I'm, I'm going to say Rondell Moore, uh, who had a phenomenal game. Uh, he, Rondell Moore is a, re- a receiver for the, for the Cardinals who had 114, uh, receiving yards and a touchdown. He was all over the place. I saw him as like Kyler Murray. If Kyler Murray was 
a receiver. Kyler Murray or uh, Rodell Moore can cut on a dime. Like he can be going full sprint and then just stop instantly and watch you go past him and then go accelerate to full speed again. He he is going to be something special for this team. Um, he's going to be a great number two or three. He'll probably share it with Christian Kirk as the number two receiver um, behind DeAndre Hopkins, which he had a great game. Um, in part because uh, the Vikings were all over DeAndre Hopkins. Even though DeAndre Hopkins had his, you know, 50 receiving yards at a touchdown, Rodell Moore went absolutely nuts. Um, and I and I really liked watching him play. But anyway, the, the play of the game for me um, was Kyler Murray's rolling out right. He's getting, you know, pressured. He's rolling all over the place, and he's running, running, and he just sees Rodell Moore just chilling in the middle of the field. Or not in the middle of the field, but, like, towards one of the hashes. And he just, like, in a very awkward way, like, as he's running, throws with his – he throws with his right hand, like, and pushes it, like, sideways. It was such an awkward angle. Um, but he was able to throw just a perfect spiral right to Rodell Moore in his arms, and Rodell Moore just took it to the house. It was so – it was an unbelievable play. Um, and it just added on to Kyler Murray's 36 passes, uh, 400 yards and three touchdowns. The big thing that I didn't like this game was that Kyler Murray threw two interceptions. Um, they were, you know, costly. Um, and those were mistakes that he should clear up. Cause if they don't throw those interceptions, I'm not sure that the Vikings stay in this, uh, score is as good as it is, uh, or as close as it is, but you know, that's just how it plays out sometimes. But the Cardinals were able to pull it out at the end based off of what I say is luck um, because they were playing the Vikings because um, it came down to the last second. The Vikings uh, had the ball. They were in kicking range. Uh, they were down by one. All they needed to do was make the field goal. They win the game, and they miss it. <laughs> in true Vikings fashion, they miss the field goal to win the game. Um, it's just heartbreaking, and I don't know how anybody can be a Vikings fan after that. Um, and it's just time and time again. Um, that this happens, and yeah, I can't, <laughs> I can't say any more about that. Um, I really felt bad for the Vikings. Um, I hope it clears up for them because they lose a lot of close games due to uh, bad kickers. Um, but this was a really fun game to watch, and uh, I hope that both of these teams continue the uh, the high tempo. Uh, next up, we have the Bucks and the Falcons. Uh, the Buccaneers absolutely wiped the Falcons um, in the beginning of the game, and then it got to the middle where. You know, then the Vikings start or the Falcons started to fight back, and they started to actually climb back in this game. Um, but then the Bucks were like, "Ah, sorry, we can't let, we can't lose this one," and they just took off again. Um, and it it really mesmerizes me how Tom Brady, at the age of forty four, is throwing five touchdowns against one of the like 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 a a professional defense, like a professional defense. This man is throwing five touchdowns at the age of 44. It's 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 unbelievable. He's he's ageless. He only seems to get younger, and he his body seems to only get healthier. And I just I have no idea um, how this man is doing it. It must be that TV 12 method. Um, he's just his body is in great shape for how old he is. He's making throws that are so so crisp and so clean and he's just doing things that you know we might not ever see again so we have to really you know relish this time and really or not relish this time but really you know take this time that we have watching him and just savor and just be like you know this is fantastic like I'm watching history I'm watching quite possibly the best quarterback ever um play the game and it's it's unbelievable and I was uh listening to, you know, uh, one of my podcasts and they were talking about how, you know, Tom Brady is like, I think, uh, I think nine years older than 
Matt Ryan, something like that. Uh, he's he's older than Matt Ryan, period. Um, and he's playing better than Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan looks worse than Tom Brady. He looks older than Tom Brady, and it just doesn't make any sense. I don't know how this guy does it. Um, the Buccaneers, you know, they had a handle on this game pretty much the whole way through. Um, it did get to as close as two points at one point, I believe, because um, I wasn't, I couldn't watch this game personally. Um, but I was watching the score, and it, uh, the Viking or the Falcons did bring it back. Um, but within like one score game, but it just it didn't matter because the Bucks just took right off again, and um, the their defense had two pick sixes, uh, both from the same player. And it's just the, the, the Bucks are on another level, man. They just picked up right where they left off from last season. Um, and I don't really see signs of slowing down. That's that's a problem uh, for the whole NFL is that the Bucks don't seem like they're going to slow down. Um, and, like, that's just not good for anybody. Whether you're in the NFC, the AFC, um, they're coming for you. And you better you have to be ready when they come because if, they, if, they, uh, if, you don't, if you're not ready, you're screwed. Like, period, you know, end of sentence, you're screwed because they're going to show up. They're going to just bring the hammer down on you, and they're going to leave. And it's going to be a bad, bad day for you and your whole team. Um, it was Mike Edwards. Mike Edwards had uh, two interceptions uh, for pick sixes, um, and he just had a phenomenal game, probably the game of his career. And the the whole Bucks team is just super well-rounded, and I don't really know who's going to stop them. Uh, moving on to our next game, we have the Titans versus Seahawks. This was another fun one. Um, probably like my second most exciting, or maybe third actually, because um, we got the Dallas and the Chargers after that. But um, the Titans and the Seahawks, it, it looked like the Seahawks had this game um, uh, over the Titans. You know, they played a, a solid game. They were able to go downfield. They were able to hold um, Derrick Henry for as long as they could um, until he decided to implode. Uh, Derrick Henry, I believe, had 180 yards rushing and three touchdowns, um, and I believe one of them came late in the fourth, and then he also had the two-point conversion, um, and then the Titans would just went straight down the field. They, uh, no, sorry, the Titans got the ball in overtime, uh, got stopped by Seattle. Seattle went on the field, couldn't do anything with it. Neither teams capitalized on what they had, and then the Titans were able to go downfield, and Randy Bullock was able to go down there and boot that shit through the uprights to win the Titans the game. Um, this game was very back and forth. It showed a little weakness in the Seahawks though. Um, because the Seahawks had the lead. And when I say it's very back and forth, I meant back and forth, like in the, uh, the last few quarters, um, when the Titans were starting to climb back. Um, and it showed a weakness in the Seahawks to be able to close out a game, um, and to hold another team down. Sure. The Titans offense has Derrick Henry, Julio Jones, AJ Brown, you know, Ryan Tannehill, like that's, that's understandable. But you know, when you're doing as well as you are all day long, um, and you have somebody like, uh, uh, Bobby Wagner or yeah, sorry, Bobby Wagner, get 17 tackles and three sacks in one game. You, you, you need to end that game. You need to win that one. Cause you have a great defensive performance from him. And then you have the lead for most of it. You need to, you need to close out that game. And that's a, that's a problem for the Seahawks, um, to not be able to, and, you know, that could really be detrimental to them uh, moving forward. And next up, we have uh, Dallas and the Chargers. 
Um, this is probably my second favorite game of this week. This game was very tight. Um, both def- or both offenses made mistakes early. Um, Justin Herbert threw a first quarter interception, which he never does. Um, and then also Dak Prescott threw a first quarter interception, which he rarely does. Um, and these teams were very locked. Um, there were a lot of questionable pl- uh, calls in this one. Um, the Chargers had shot themselves in the foot a lot. They had a very Vikings-esque performance, like a Vikings week one performance where they just kept shooting themselves in the foot with penalties. Um, and Dallas did the same, you know, Dallas, there was a a drive. It was the, uh, what was it? It was the tying drive, uh, I believe to bring the game within uh, 14 to 14, um, for, uh, the chargers and they were going downfield and the chargers had probably, I think it was four to five calls on themselves flags on themselves. And the Cowboys defense still allowed the chargers to go downfield and score. Um, and that's just something that, you know, the Cowboys defense last year was historically bad. Um, they, their run defense last year was historically awful. Their pass defense was not that great. Um, and they showed signs of doing that. They should, they looked better this game, um, than they did last year, but they, they show signs of still having those issues of just allowing a team to go downfield on them and just score right away. And that's something that they do need to clear up if they want to, um, win this division this year. Cause you've got teams like the football team, uh, the Washington football team who are, you know, probably not going to allow you to make those decisions or make those, um, make those mistakes and, you know, then just go downfield and get like a last second field goal. Um, or the Eagles or even the giants, hell, if they, if the giants keep playing the way they did on a uh, Thursday night, um, but they also the Cowboys had bad clock management. Uh, Mike McCarthy blamed it on a like bad clock view. He didn't know like how much time was left. I guess like the TV that or the the big screen that he was watching for the for the time was different than the one that Kellen Moore was watching. It was j- just a bullshit excuse, really. Um, the Cowboys were lucky to walk away with this one. Um, the Chargers. Uh, just didn't play to their fullest potential. I thought they had a lot of giveaways. Um, there was just a lot of random calls that were made that didn't really make a whole lot of sense um, in this game. It was very confusing. As fun as it was, you know, to watch because it's a nail biter kind of game. It came down to a 56-yard field goal. Um, there was just a lot of politics. I want to call it in this game. Just a lot of calls that you know could have gone a, a different way. Um, that seemed to you know help one team rather than the other. And that was back and forth. You know, there were some calls that were made against the Chargers that were, like, kind of questionable, but then there were also some made against the Cowboys that were questionable. Um, and as fun of a game as it was, it was kind of disappointing uh, when it came down to those to those penalties uh, being a big, big, uh, big factor in this game. Um, and on Sunday night football, we had the Chiefs versus the Ravens, probably one of the better tryout stories of the season. Lamar Jackson finally, finally beat Patrick Mahomes. Um, the Ravens started off horrible <laughs> and I mean, horrible, uh, what was it? Tamron Matthew had a pick six early in the game. And then, um, Lamar Jackson threw another interception to Tyron Matthew. Um, and so the chiefs were up, you know, were up big, um, to start the, start the game. And then right after that, the Ravens go right down the field and score a touchdown. Like it was, like it was easy. Um, it was very confusing in the first half. Um, but you know, once it came out of halftime, and the Ravens just took off. Lamar Jackson just took over the game. Um, Patrick Mahomes threw his first interception in September, and a lot of people are labeling it, sorry, labeling it as a dumb interception because he was throwing it while he was falling, trying to make some crazy Patrick Mahomes, you know, type pass where he, you know, is falling down and you know then throws it to you know some random open receiver, and the Ravens just didn't allow it this time. And it was it was almost like it was too cute um, for for Patrick Mahomes and for the Chiefs to do because they ended up turning the ball over. Um, 
I uh, I hope the Chiefs you know don't have another performance like that because as well as they played those kind of mistakes late in the game, um, you know that interception and uh, Quiet Edward Solaire his first ever fumble um, coming late in the fourth quarter that basically gave the Ravens uh, the game. They were allowed to get the ball back and then go down the field and score. Um, it just uh, or not down the field and score, but just uh, hold on to the ball and then get the first down and win the game. Sorry, I had my uh, my timeline mixed up. Um, the Chiefs. They, the Chiefs choked. The Chiefs choked. Um, if the Chiefs had played to their fullest potential, I think they would have won. Um, but like I said, Lamar Jackson put on a very special performance. He was all over the place. He had over 200 yards passing and 100 yards rushing. You know, that was all over the internet. Um, and he just he played a phenomenal game. And he really, after starting off super slow with those two interceptions, he was able to pull the Ravens right back into the game. Um and I was I was very pleased with it. I was very happy to see it, and it just gives the Chiefs the Chiefs uh, uh, somebody to fight with, other than like the Buccaneers, um, which is always good because you want that more competition. Um, and Monday Night Football to end off our week of the game recaps, uh, we have the Packers over the Lions. The Green Bay Packers put on a clinic against the Lions, um, especially in the second half. The Lions were were in the fight a little bit. Um, in this game against the Packers, you know, they had they put up 17 points, but at one point the Packers just took off and was just like, you know what, we're just going to leave you in the dust. Um, the Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams, you know, they all had great games. Aaron Jones uh, specifically, he had uh, four touchdowns. Um, I believe three of them were receiving. Or yeah, it was three of them receiving. Uh, they was he was just all over the place. He had a fantastic Aaron Jones game, and I was waiting for him to pop off because he didn't do it um, in Week One, and I was worried that you know he's going to have one of those seasons where you know he has a phenomenal season the year before, but then he doesn't quite live up to the hype as uh, the next year. But uh, it was a good comeback game um, for the Packers, especially after the Saints loss, um, and I'm sure that they'll build off this uh, little momentum that they got and just keep rolling. And uh, I'm, the Lions, you know, they didn't really change that much in my eyes. You know, they put up a little bit of a fight, but they're still one of the lower-tier uh, lower tier teams in the NFL, and they have a lot of work to do. All right, uh, we're going to move into our uh, picks for this week and our power rankings. Um, like I said, my record now is 15-17, uh, and 17, uh, and then uh, I'm hoping that it'll be, you know, in a, like a winning record after this week, but I really made the comeback after being 4-12. and 12. Um, for the Thursday night game, we have the Panthers over the Texans. Um, the Panthers just look super solid right now. Um, they're playing really well all over the field. Um, and the Texans are injured and, you know, I just don't think they match up very well with the, the Panthers. So I'm going to take the Panthers in that game. Uh, to move on to our Sunday games, we have the Patriots over the Saints. Um, I think the Saints are going to continue to struggle. I, like I said before, the Packers, when the Saints, they played the Saints, when the Saints played the Packers. The Packers always have that one game of the year where they just get absolutely slaughtered. They get ruined, um, and I think that was the game against the Saints. I think Jameis Winston's going to struggle more, um, and I think the Patriots, as well coached as they are, I think they're going to continue to take care of the ball and move it downfield and just get and just score. And I think they're going to have a good game against the Saints, and the Saints are going to fall to one and two. And there's going to be some big questions uh, surrounding New Orleans. Um, Next up, I have the Broncos over the Jets. Um, a lot like the Panthers, the Broncos are just a super well-rounded team. Um, I really like the way they play. Um, and Teddy Bridgewater's having you know a great season so far, um, a lot better than he did with the Panthers. And the Jets have you know their Jets struggles. They have the same struggles every year. Um, and I see the Broncos winning this one. 
Uh, next up, I have the Titans and the Colts. Uh, I'm going to take the Titans in this one. I think they're going to build off the momentum that they got from the Seahawks win. Um, I think they just got really unlucky in week one against against the Cardinals, and they you know, were able to show some resiliency and pull it out against the Seahawks in week two. And with the Colts uh, missing Carson Wentz, I think that uh, the Colts are going to struggle on offense, and I think the Titans will be able to capitalize on that. Uh, next up, we have the Falcons and the Giants. I'm hoping that the Giants can play up to the level that they did last Thursday. Um, if Daniel Jones can keep it up, then he might change my mind about him, in my opinion. Um, but right now, the Falcons just are probably one of the worst teams in the NFL. Um, I would say probably bottom three right now. Um, and I see the Giants uh, winning that one. Next up, I have the Chiefs and the Chargers, a divisional game. Uh, this is an interesting one to me because, yes, the Chiefs are coming off a loss. Both of these teams are coming off a loss. Um, and the Chiefs, I think, are obviously better. I think they're, you know, better. I think they have a better roster. I think they're better coached than the Chargers, um, especially with the new system that the Chargers are being implemented in. But it is a division game, and you all know how I feel about division games. Um, I think those are easily you know the harder games to win um i think the chiefs will win this one um i would see it being a shootout though because it is Aaron in arrowhead and arrowhead tends to have some crazy things happen inside of it um so yeah i'm gonna take the chiefs in this one but i'm i'm gonna be watching this one very closely um Next up is the Bengals and the Steelers, another divisional game. I'm going to take the Steelers in this one. Um, that's only if their offense can operate well uh, because, you know, there's no updates on T.J. Watt or Devin Bush just yet that I've read. Um, I might have missed something if you guys have heard something else by the time that this got, this airs. But um, I'm going to take the Steelers on this one, but I'm excited to see how this one plays out as well because this one could be close too. Um, next up is the Browns and the Bears. I have the Browns winning this one. Um, Justin Fields is going to be playing this one, so we don't know how big of an impact he'll have um, when playing a full game and a whole week's preparation um, when you know he knows that he's going to be starting the game. Um, and you know the Browns are missing Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr., so that could be a, a big issue for them. Uh, but I'm going to take the Browns because I just think they have the more well-rounded team in this one. Uh, the Ravens and the Lions. I'm going to take the Ravens. I think they're just on a hotter hotter streak right now. And the Lions, like I said, they have a lot of work to do still. Um, I think Jared Goff has a lot of uh, getting used to in this game or in this scheme and on uh, the Lions team. Um, and I think the Ravens are going to actually take off um, and you know show that they are actually one of the better teams in the NFL because everybody was a little iffy after the Raider loss. But with the Chiefs win, um, I think a lot of people's opinions have changed, especially mine. Uh, next is the Cardinals and the Jaguars. Um, this is you know easy pick for the Cardinals. Um, the Cardinals are just on fire right now offensively and defensively. They're not that bad at all. Um, Chandler Jones, I think, is going to eat up Trevor Lawrence, and uh, I would see Buda Baker maybe even getting an interception. Um, and I, I, I can definitely see Trevor Lawrence's uh, struggles continuing in this one. I just think the Jaguars are going to be completely outmatched. Um, next up after that is the Bills and the Washington football team. This is an interesting one because this could be a, another defensive battle. Um, I think it'll come down to who has the better offense in this one because both of these teams are very solid on defense. Um, and I'm going to take the Bills just because I think they have the more established offense. Um, Taylor Heineke could easily pop off and, you know, so could uh, Terry McLaurin and uh, Ricky Seals-Jones and Logan Thomas. We could definitely see that happen. Um, but I think I'm looking for Josh Allen to – to pick up where like to to pick up where he left off last season because his his performance against the Steelers wasn't amazing and his performance against the Dolphins wasn't 
amazing as well. Not as well as I thought it should be. Um, and I want to see Josh Allen, you know, really have a, a big passing day this game because um, he didn't have a huge passing day against the Dolphins or the Steelers. And I want to see him have a good passing day against a good defense. Um, next up is the Dolphins and the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders, I'm going to take them in this one. I think they're the more hot team. Um, and on offense, I think they'll be able to outmatch the Dolphins. Um, I think that's the only way the Dolphins will be able to stand in this one is if their defense can somehow slow down the Raiders offense. Um, Jacoby Brissett's, you know, not a terrible quarterback. Um, I don't, he's not a starting caliber quarterback to me. Um, and I don't think he'll be, you know, the deciding factor for the Dolphins, whether or not they live or die in this game. Um, I think the Raiders are just a better built team right now. Um, but, yeah, I think the Raiders are just going to take this one over the Dolphins. I think the injuries are going to catch up to the Dolphins a little bit, and they're going to really miss Tua in this one. Uh, next up is Seattle versus the Vikings. Um, I'm going to take the Vikings in this one. Um, I think the Vikings are finally going to get that win that they need. Um, it's probably going to be another shootout. That seems how uh, I think that's how things are going to be with Seattle this year. Um but, yeah, I'm going to take the Vikings in this one. I feel a little bit better about uh, the Vikings offense and Dalvin Cook um, compared to the Seahawks offense being able to uh, to keep up because I think with the Vikings having just that little bit better defense um, than the Seahawks, um, I think that's going to be another deciding factor. A lot of these games to me are just, you know, who com- who has the better defense, you know, because both offenses are very uh, well matched. Uh, the Bucks and the Rams. This is going to be a really good game to watch. It's a uh, Sunday night football, uh, or not Sunday night, sorry, Sunday afternoon football. I'm going to, uh, this is a good one. I'm going to take, hmm, I'm going to take the Bucks in this one. Um, I think this is going to be a, a good one. I'm going to take the Bucks in this one just based off of sheer experience and uh, how, you know, they're coming off of the championship win and they're just rolling over people right now, except for the Cowboys game. They didn't really roll over them but um that being said though not being able to roll over the cowboys that that easily um you know and the rams having a better defense uh than the cowboys do um man this is a tough one i'm gonna go with the bucks for this one um that's just based off of you know sheer guessing i'm gonna go with that because both of these teams are very good um they have solid quarterbacks uh obviously the bucks probably have the better one <laughs> um but both of these defenses are well-built. Both of the offenses are very uh, well-oiled, and they just run really well. Damn, I'm going to go with the Bucks on that one. That's going to be a good one to watch. Um, another good one that I'm excited about uh, for Sunday Night Football is um, the Packers versus the Niners. Um, because part of me is expecting uh, the Packers to crumble again, just like they did against the Saints. But then, also, like I said before, is that that happens to Packers every year. Um, but also, part of me is expecting the Niners to... Um, show their true colors, and maybe even Trey Lance getting in this game. Like maybe Jimmy Garoppolo just has a horrible day, and you know Kyle Shanahan finally says, "I've had enough. I'm throwing in Trey Lance." Um, so this this is gonna be an interesting one to watch too. Um, I'm gonna take the oof, I'm gonna take the Niners in this one because uh, I, I for some reason I expect the Packers to have a really up and down season this year. Um, and yeah, I'm gonna take the Niners in this one on the Sunday night. And then uh, we're going to move on to Monday Night Football. It's our last game of the of the day. I'm going to take the um, hmm. I'm going to take the Cowboys in this one over the Eagles. Um, this one I expect to be a real shootout. Both of these teams um, have really you know athletic and really uh, fast offenses. Um, I think it's going to come down to you know like a last second kick, just like it did for the Cowboys this week. But uh, I'm going to take them over the Eagles. 
And then last but not least today, I'm just going to update our power rankings. Um, I have the Buccaneers at number one, Chiefs at number two, Rams at three, uh, Steelers at four, Bills at five. Uh, the top five pretty much remain the same. Um, the Ravens moved up to number six. I think the huge win against the Chiefs moved them up. They were at number 11 before. Um, seven, I have the Saints. Um, I'm still keeping them up there because, you know, they lost to the Panthers, but I'm going to keep them up there because they're still a very talented team. Um, but, you know, they could drop dramatically um, if they lose to the Patriots like I think they're going to this week. Um, eight, I have the Cardinals. Nine, I have the Browns. Ten, the Seahawks. Um, Eleven, the Packers. Uh, 12, the 49ers, 13, the Raiders. Um, the Panthers jumped up really high. They're at number 14 now. I have Dallas at 15, uh, the Vikings at 16, Chargers at 17, Dolphins at 18, Eagles 19, um, the Patriots at 20, uh, Titans at 21, Broncos 22. Um, Broncos could probably move a little higher, but the, you know these mid like 14 to 23 get really hard to do. Um, but even so, at uh, 23, you have the Colts, 24, have the Bengals, 25, the Washington football team, the Lions at 26, the Bears at 27, uh, Jets 28, Giants 29, 30, the Texans, 31, the Falcons, and 32, the Jaguars. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Boom Team Podcast. I'm sorry I didn't come out with an episode yesterday. Like I said, you know, just a busy day yesterday. I couldn't really get around to it, um, which I hate to say because I feel like it's a poor excuse, but that's just a fact. It's just a lot was going on. Um, I hope you guys have a great day. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I will be back next Tuesday. Um, I'm hoping to stick to the Tuesday-Wednesday um, schedule, but, you know, life happens. You know, things bounce around. It might happen to where I get an episode up on Saturday. I might get an episode up on Monday or something like that. Um, so just bear with me, you know, I'm still figuring out this whole schedule as to how I can move this podcast in here and how I can watch all these games and get this analysis and, um, uh, analysis going on, um, while also trying to give you guys the best, uh, analysis that I can, um, and also, you know, sticking to my schedule. So thank you guys so much, um, for tuning into the podcast and I'll see you guys on the flip side.